there's two things that lay the ground for a romance. And you started to talk about it. One of them are intimacy and familiarity. And the more a person sees someone or something, the more disposed they are to like it. And that's actually a psychological bias called the mere exposure effect. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of While We Were Working. This is episode 34. And as always, super excited to be a part of your week. I'm joined with my co-host, Summer. Say hey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Yeah, and, and Summer Keychon is our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. We've got a fun, sort of light episode, and we're talking about office romance. Is it inevitable or is it not? What are things to consider? What shouldn't you consider? And then we're going to also talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, and that is your HR digital transformation, specifically for small businesses. And how do you make that leap from paper to the cloud? So Summer, you're wearing red today. I say you go ahead and tackle the... Uh, consultants, not consultants corner, but while we were working article that talks about office romance. Absolutely. So today's article was actually published quite some time ago um, in the BBC, and it's titled The Inevitability of the Office Romance. And it caught my eye because this really isn't a topic that we've uh, discussed before, but I thought that a lot of individuals would be interested in hearing a little bit more about this and how this pops up on our small business and HR uh, consulting radar uh, and also provide some guidance towards the end of our conversation on considerations um, as a result of what small businesses may want to do uh, to protect their business. So gosh, the good old office romance. Uh, Joey, would you believe that in the workplace, Romances actually increased during the pandemic by 6%. Well, uh, I could see that because if your bubble has become smaller from like a safety standpoint, um, you probably just look around and look at your odds and say, you know, do I want to meet the the stranger on Tinder or do I want to just get to know Jan in accounting? (laughs) <laughs> and you, I don't know. That's my thought. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're not too far off, but I would say that this uh, this figure actually caught my eye because it seems the opposite of what I actually thought would be happening when employees are working from home. Just because you know, when I think about office romance and and perhaps how it starts, it's like, well, you know, you're at work, maybe by yourself, you're making friends with a couple of individuals and maybe you sit down and just have lunch with them. And it really, it's nothing but lunch. Uh, But that, 
those types of interactions or perhaps going and getting your coffee and there's people in the break room chatting, like those types of things are what really came to mind when I think about where these relationships are potentially starting. Um, but, you know, what I'm about to share, I think will explain kind of why this is happening. And in the article, the BBC breaks it down that um, there was a survey uh, that they referenced where 75% of the individuals in this survey were asked if they were okay with the idea of their colleagues dating each other and they actually were okay with it. And the, the fun fact in this uh, survey that they reference is that actually 50% of those individuals indicated that they personally had an interest in a coworker at some point. So I'm just going to pause because that's like a major jaw-dropping moment. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the – first of all, I've dated someone at the same workplace uh, many, many, many years ago. And it's fun while you're dating. It's not fun after you break up for, for anybody, uh, at least from my experience. But I would imagine that, you know, you're attracted to someone because – proximity factor um you're you're on the same you're in the same organization so you believe that, that some of the same things are important there's a lot that's said about like your workplace best friend um but then maybe this just like takes it that next level where okay instead of complaining about our boss over coffee we'll complain a, about our boss on a date and i don't know maybe that just brings people together but uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I love that example. Well, uh, I can't say that I've ever dated anybody that I've worked with. In fact, I've taken the completely opposite approach, which is no matter how much I may even like somebody uh, like as a friend, uh, that especially in an HR role, it's very, very important for me to keep a large distance of separation just in the in the event that say this individual becomes a subject of an investigation or performance issue i don't even have to deal with like oh man that's my friend or the perception that they may be favored in any sort of way so um whew, thankfully um i'm not in that 50 percent but um i wanted to chat a little bit about like why is this happening and so um referring back to the article you know, there's discussion about how, you know, work is continuing to take up more of our time, especially as we're starting to work from home and, and kind of some of those boundaries blur. Um, and some individuals are, in many cases, working longer hours just because it's easy and accessible for them. But there's two things that lay the ground for a romance. And you started to talk about it. One of them are intimacy and familiarity. And the more a person sees someone or something, the more disposed they are to like it. And that's actually a psychological bias called the mere exposure effect. And you talked a little bit about proximity, but the interesting thing, Joey, is that that bias is actually not limited to proximity. So uh, this was my aha moment, right? That um, even if you're on Zoom or Slack, you're still interacting with each other. And that in itself has that same effect. I was just like, oh man, we're, we're in for, you know, we're, we're in for it from an HR standpoint. And so wanted to chat a little bit about as we kind of round out this topic, like 
from an HR standpoint, what some of the risks are and what companies may want to consider doing about it. Oh my goodness. Um, the risk. Well, anytime that there is a relationship, you run the risk of uh, domestic violence being a factor um, and rearing its head in private or in public spaces in your workplace. Um, you run the risk of one or both employees uh, leaving. Maybe they leave for good reason and say, hey, this is really working out. And it may become a conflict down the road if we're in the same organization. Or someone may say, hey, you know, it's I can't stay here and be around you. So I'm going to find another place of employment. Um, another thing to your point, Summer, um, when it comes to maintaining neutrality in an interview, in an interview or uh, investigation that could come in question. I just went through a, a harassment training today for a board that I'm on. So sexual harassment, you know, uh, especially if it's a, a situation where you have a person in authority who is getting into a relationship with someone who is a subordinate of theirs, whether directly or indirectly. Um, there's so many, many, many tricky things about this. And that's not to say you should put a guard up and not let people date. Um, but you should have some explanation, maybe even within your employee handbook to say, if you are, we'd prefer that you disclose it to your supervisor and we just figure out how and if it might impact, you know, your professional experience here at the company. I absolutely agree. And I think the biggest one that stands out to me is the potential for the sexual harassment claims. I mean, you mentioned a variety of other challenges that can that can present themselves. But from a legal standpoint, I think that is the largest um, financial risk to the company. And what other, you know, what companies can do about it really is to have a policy that outlines like what behavior is acceptable and not acceptable in the organization and very similar to any other policy in your handbook. The goal is that if you ever have a situation that arises that you refer back to the handbook and you are holding your team members accountable for their behavior and that they're aware that there are consequences if they are not meeting the expectations that were set out for them. So some companies call them love contracts. Um, there's a whole host of different names, but as you mentioned, Joey, it is to some degree, it's you know setting expectations of behavior at various levels of detail and really just getting the commitment from the team members that if they are choosing this, that there's going to be um, those clear expectations and the, you know, there may be consequences for not following them. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, um, it's such an on the spot question. Um, so don't, you can either choose to answer this for you or you can choose to answer this as like, well, I think the typical American would say, maybe I'll ask it that way. Do you think the typical American would risk it all at work for love or would they, uh, not risk it all and climb 
the career without a romance at work? Well, I think that, I, I mean, gosh, that is a tough question. I think that most would. And I say that because on the HR side, I've seen it happen and uh-huh. I've seen <laughs> like the fallout. Um, And and that's really what I'm basing that off of is that um, I do think, you know, that that term like love is blind. Um, I think it blinds individuals in love from a lot of things. And one of them being, you know, kind of the risks that may be associated with being involved specifically with somebody that they work with. Um, I, I can say from the vast majority of office romances, they don't end well. Um, and on the HR side, it can be really, really difficult because it impacts everybody around them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think everybody, I think more people would be willing to risk it, but it's not always a fairy tale. So that, that was our segment of while we were working. Hopefully, you've got your own fun story about either knowing someone who's dated at work, or maybe you dated at work, and maybe you're married to your uh, your workmate date, like like the Obamas. They the article says they met at a law a law firm. Uh, let us know your story. Maybe we'll we'll share it on air and have you and your boo on the show. So we'll go ahead and get into consultants' corner. Uh, which is our kind of stories from the trenches. And as always, the show is sponsored by Jumpstart HR. We provide HR services for small businesses and startups all across the U.S., uh, primarily those firms that are looking to build a great culture, want to hand off their HR and recruiting to a trusted partner and um, grow along the way. So this week, we are talking about Painless HR digital transformation and not a strategic step one, step two, step three, because every organization is different. It has a different starting point, but maybe we can talk about the uh, things to consider and uh, some of the the tools that you would want in your toolkit. So I had a, a sales call earlier today and um, this group kept on asking, well, you know, do you digitize your files or are, are your files in the cloud? And um, I just knew that they were so relatively far behind in the their understanding of how cloud systems work that they're not alone. Okay. So uh, let's talk about some of the the reasons or important reasons why digital transformation is important. Um, one, I like to say that your employee experience is a customer experience. So we as customers nowadays are used to ordering food online, depositing checks to our bank account through an app. We're used to shopping for clothes uh, online. And if we don't like them, we can send them back. We don't have to step into a store. We're used to hopping in our car and not having to print out a map or look through a map. We can just punch it in our phone and and then drive to our destination. And so these are our lived experiences with digital transformation 
at home and then we get to work and it's like you got to fill all this this physical paperwork you've got to march this file down the office uh dare i even say you got to be in office to do your job uh if if you know it could be done elsewhere so the first thing is thinking about the customer experience of your employees are there ways that processes could be streamlined you could use tools that are available in the cloud as opposed to paper a big one that um we think about is electronic signature versus pen signature. So that's a big, a big thing is like thinking about the, the customer experience of your employees. The other one is definitely the business case for, uh, for cloud um, support or digital transformation. Uh, I can think of, think back to this sales call that I had and I was explaining to them different tools that they could use, right? So this one for your recruiting, this one for your payroll, this one to hold your files. And um, there is a there's a line where the more labor intensive a, a task is, the less of a return you're going to get from the people doing it because they're just doing things that you could put software in place to do and then not replace their job, but allow them to focus on more value add things or more strategic things or um, developing more of a relationship with the people that they're working with. So I'll stop there. It's kind of like first quarter, second quarter, and we'll talk about two more other things. But do you have any thoughts or comments thus far on on digital transformation? I do. I, I wanted to share my, you know, kind of my thought process around when when I'm speaking with organizations about their current state and their future state. And again, uh, you know, educating them on the concept of digital transformation and helping them create that visual of what it really means, because not everybody's like truly savvy with that term. And the way that I explain it is that it's really truly more than just adding a few, a few tools. It's, adopting that digital tech in the place of the manual processes like you've described and it's using that new tech essentially to improve your business but more importantly it's what i always say it's a line in the sand it's a decisive shift to create new or like even modify existing processes to optimize your business and so here's the visual prompt i want you to think about what was life like before the iPhone. You mentioned a couple of the things, you know, printing out the map or maybe even using a Thomas guide. Oh boy, I think we just aged ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I used to lo- I used to love those things. Buy them in 7-Eleven, keep them in the right, car. Right. But these, you know, a lot of the things that our iPhone does today was a manual process. Think about um, you know, a daily planner. Think about a Rolodex, you know, all of these different things that used to be part of a manual process are now simplified and are far more efficient in a digital form. So if you think about, you know, your maybe your business now in like a pre-iPhone state, if you haven't adopted, you know, digital um, processes and the iPhone today is your future state, and that is really going to help accelerate small business growth and 
when we're talking to small businesses about like, how do I even tackle this from the start? It's like, okay, well, let's look at all of the ideas that we have and rank them from like, what is the highest return on your investment to the lowest? And then looking at creating a three-year plan. And that is different for every business, but you can't go into this without a plan and focusing those efforts on the highest ROI will start to like build that momentum. And Joey, I think uh, you see this just as often as I do. Once businesses start to implement some of these processes, it's like, well, you know, I think that's really where if, you know, your company that hasn't already started moving down this path, now is the time. Like you cannot wait. You will get left behind and your competitors will be leaps and bounds ahead of you. Agreed. And we, we mentioned in a previous episode uh, the fact that there has been a huge uh, uptick in the investment of uh, HR technology. And so what that tells me is more companies are attempting to solve the problems that keep you and I up at night, that keep non-HR pros up at night, that keep executives up at night. And so this is the time to look around and see where's the world moving and gosh, what are... What tools are our competitors using that could make our employees' life a little bit easier? Uh, and, and how can technology be used to, to make us more efficient and more effective? Because it's not even just about, we have to take into account the fact that there's just more data. There's just, there's just more data coming into our space. There are more decisions that we have to make. And so the more we can utilize technology to help make decision-making easier and to help us digest information faster, better, and, and ethically, uh, I think that we really do a disservice by not having a digital transformation. Well, I know that you uh, spend a lot of your time in the HR tech space. And one of the things that's most fascinating to me is seeing technology that is focused on um, automation and artificial intelligence. And I do think that, you know, we're going to continue to see um, quite a bit happening in this space in terms of integration, even at Jumpstart and some of our clients. I'm seeing how that is accelerating the business. You know, when I think about that, um, that roadmap, that three-year plan, I do think that there is a space within businesses of all size to really be focusing on that. Um, and just kind of a, a random comment that I have to throw in this podcast episode, Joey, is I truly hope that you and I are the last of uh, the HR workforce that ever has to touch a paper HR file. Oh my gosh, those Manila folders can just go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And um, dare I even say, uh, fingers crossed for um, USCIS, but, you know, digital I-9s. I hope that that continues to be a thing, even after uh, this new update of the I-9 that's supposed to roll out in um, October, November timeframe. Uh, it is just 
so much better to store things in the cloud than uh, to accumulate paper and waste and potential document error and less communication from one document to another uh, without digital transformation. So that's the importance of, of transformation. Were there any final thoughts that you wanted to share? No, I think that this is just another area that I, I really encourage small businesses to not ignore because when I think about what has, what has created kind of the difference between competitors in the past and where it comes down to like service and product, you know, my, one of my favorite words, Joey is leverage. And this is like the ultimate definition of using leverage in your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you've got a fun uh, digital transformation story that you want to share um, about your business, um, definitely let us know on social media. If you got a topic that you want us to cover on an upcoming episode, why don't you reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. Shoot us an email. We'll discuss your topic on the show as we've done with others who have submitted their questions. And uh, that's all we have for this episode. So we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. See you then. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and coworkers. And as always, you can find more info and additional resources at whilewewereworking.com. We